is to be together with the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Amen. Amen. Well, now for our next steps news. <laughs> Welcome. Um, we're so happy to be together. And if you're new or looking for new ways to connect, we would love to do that. You can come to the Next Steps kiosk in the back and get a free gift, or you can follow this QR code and give us your information online, and we would love to help get you connected. Um, and then this is Lent. Welcome to Lent. These 40 days have already been so powerful. Um, we have practices for you in the back of the room. If you didn't get to go to the ta resource table last week, um, we would love for you to find practices that help you return to God this Lent. Um, but also, one of these practices is we're going to be praying together on Tuesdays. Um, so you are welcome to join us on Facebook Live or come up to the main office with us um, in prayer. This Tuesday, we just want to give you a heads up. We will be having, like, a conference in the main auditorium. Um, so you can just kind of slide by um, and join us for prayer this week. And then you can also join us for the men's breakfast this weekend from 9 to 10.30 a.m. This is a great time of fellowship for men. Come meet other people. I just feel like there's this longing for people to connect um, with other people in a, like, really low-pressure environment. Like, come eat free pancakes from Ed, right? Um, Ed, you can register online yeah. on Planning Center, um, but join us upstairs in the cafe for that this weekend. And then also, we're going to be restarting Connect Teen High School group on, this weekend on Saturday from 7 to 8.30, um, and it's going to be restarted for second and fourth Saturdays every month. If you have more questions about that, feel free to connect with Sarah um, or anybody in the office, and we would love to help connect your high schoolers. And then on April 9th, you might know that's Easter, pop quiz, um, and we're going to be doing baptism. So if you're interested in being baptized on Easter, we would love to know um, to help you take that next step in your faith journey. So... And we're super grateful that Stacy's here to share a little bit about their trip to Spring Hill with the middle schoolers and all that God did there. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, um, behind the on the screen behind me are some pictures from our um, weekend. I just want to share with you a praise report from a special weekend we had with our middle schoolers two weekends ago. We took them on a winter uh, retreat to Spring Hill Camp for three days of fun, friendship, and experiencing God. Um, our kids had a chance to be in a very safe environment full of people who loved them and loved God. I'm going to get choked up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you can get choked up here. You can't tell Stacy loves our kids, can you guys? Yeah. Liquid communication right here. Yeah. These kids are just heavy on my heart, so... They were able to attend four sessions with worship talks and live skits, all focused on helping them experience God's love. In between those sessions were lots of fun activities where they could just enjoy each other and do fun things that they enjoy, um, build time as a small group, and try things they'd never even tried before, like crate stacking. Oh, my gosh. I was terrified, but, you know, they were fearless. <laughs> um, so many of our kids wanted camp to last so much longer and cannot wait to go back again. They experience hundreds of kids together all at once who want to make God part of their lives. And there was something so special and holy about that time. Uh, some of our kids grew closer to God during that weekend. 
and they want to come to church more. And they want God to be closer to them. And other kids were able to experience such a loving place where people, adults, and their fellow students supported, loved, cared for, and encouraged them to be truly themselves and not feel like they had to hide who they really were. And I saw several of our kids develop friendships and get to know each other in better ways, and they feel more connected to their church family, and they want to come now um, on a regular basis. So if you would, please pray for our kids that all the goodness and love that they experienced at camp will stay with them in their daily lives. And please pray that the ways that God's Holy Spirit spoke to each of them during that retreat will continue to do God's good work in their hearts, minds, and lives. And pray that we can continue here at Crossroads to pour into our middle schoolers and all our kids in all the ways that can help them know and experience God's love for them and equip them to bring God's love to those around them. And let's stand together and pray for um, Stacy and and Sarah and all of our teachers and all those who are pouring into our kids. We want to say thank you, God, for people who have a vision for the future, that they actually can see your heart, they can feel your heart, they can share your heart. We thank you, God, for people who have a passion for you and that kids are feeling that passion, that it's not just a mental ascent, but they're around people who deeply love you and them. And so we pray for them and everything they need, God, that their riches, your, they, well, their riches too, but your riches would meet them. And we pray and agree with Stacy's prayer for the kids because we know it came right from your heart. And so we lift each and every child who's a part of the Crossroads family up to you, from the oldest to the youngest. And we ask God that we would have an experience with you that could never, ever be taken away from them. That they would experience the love of God in ways that change them at a cellular level. And this we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Stacy. Somebody get um, Stacy a baptismal towel. <laughs> get in, sweetheart. Yes. So, welcome to the second week of Lent. We have been um, we have been looking at acting justly, loving mercy. Which side are you going on? Walking humbly. Where would you like to be? Uh, wherever the other side is that you are on. All right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and, and so what you may say is, um, you know, it's Sunday and I came for rest. And I want to say, oh, we're going to do that too. Yes. We're going to rest in the reality that it is intimacy with God that can lead us in the life that God has crafted out for us to co-create with God, Amen. right? Amen. And we can do it from a place of rest. We don't have to do it from a place of striving or performance orientation. We do it from a place of resting in the finished work of Jesus. Amen? Amen. amen. All right. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. I don't need any more work that is in my human flesh. I need to walk with God. 
So today, we are looking at the gospel passage from John 3, 1 through 17. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Some versions will say born anew, born from above, a rebirth of sorts. And Nicodemus, this great religious leader of the time, says, how can someone be born when they're old? And Nicodemus uh, is saying, surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And all the mothers said, thank God for that. (laughs) And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of the water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the reign of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit is another translation. And then I really, really love the message version. Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation the invisibly, the invisible moving divisible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whew, that's mysterious. And we might want to say, oh God, what do you mean by that? What is this all about? What is this new birth, this born from above kind of experience? Is it praying a sinner's prayer and then everything changes? Or have you ever seen that, um, that that's not happened after somebody may have done a religious activity, but there was still nothing changing, right? Or maybe that's happened to your, you know, your friend, but not you. Okay. So we're going to talk about fully incarnational theology. Does that sound fun? Come on, fully incarnational theology. Let's do do it again. Say it with me now. Fully (laughs) Fully incarnational incarnational theology. theology. So today we're going to talk about intentional intimacy. In our 40 days of Lent, we're going to talk about intentional intimacy. Yep. Yes, we are in church. All right. The birthing. Dun, dun, dun. Let's go. This could get interesting. The birthing, living, dying, and living again reality of the being enfleshed and ensouled. I think it's amazing to me that God talks to this religious leader about birth. I think that in this very um, patriarchal cu- culture, God brings on the birth process to teach a man about God. Is that cool or what? Come on. Come on. I know we have a midwife in this, in this room. Come on. I want to hear a shout out. This is the reality of God flipping the apple cart on all of the religious systems of that day. Yeah, this, this I guess, was still back when the men were smoking cigars in the waiting room. So let's go, For Clara. sure, for sure, smoking for cigars it. in the waiting room. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus is taking Nick to school about birthing. 
and about the reality of the incarnated life. And I think it's so much fun, especially since yesterday, our sweet little Kirsten, who was five weeks premature, she was hot from the hand of God. And I remember, don't read the quote yet, it'll distract you, just look at the beautiful child. I remember looking at her little peanut self. In fact, that's what her dad still calls her as peanut because she is little. And I remember looking at her and thinking, she is hot from the hand of God. Like looking at her face, I feel God looking back at me. I feel the reality of an unwounded human, right? This is phenomenal. Here's what my mom used to say to quote Cahill Khalil. Yeah, you know, Gabron. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. And she always used to say that at the kitchen table. Right, Scott? Yes. It was like, you know, my mother never communicated anything but either cliches or quotes from Shakespeare or Gibran or, you know. And, um, and I loved it because this gave me a reality about the fact that birth is not about me. It's about a wider incarnational theology of bringing God's kingdom on the earth. And when we get it, that we are stewards of a future, not our own, that we're stewards of, of the birthing. We get what Jesus is trying to say here. Hey, everybody, you need to be born from above. One of the things that we loved about this scripture yesterday, um, we were talking about the fact that the rebirth is about bodies and water and pain and vulnerability and divinity and humanity. And believe it or not, it's about acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. I'll quote Gabron one more time. It's not from John 3. That's just the early morning PowerPoint. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus, they have built these churches for the sake of their own glory and embellished them with silk and melted gold. They left the bodies of thy chosen poor wrapped in a tattered raiment in the cold night. They filled the sky with the smoke of burning candles and incense and left the bodies of thy faithful worshipers empty of bread. They raised their voices with hymns of praise but deafened themselves to the cry and moan of the widows and orphans. Come again, O living Jesus, and drive the vendors of thy faith from thy sacred temple. For they have turned it into a dark cave where vipers of hypocrisy and falsehood crawl and abound. Welcome to Lent. Welcome to the reality of calling us to these scriptures with intentional intimacy. That God is actually saying, like my mother had to stretch and grow and groan and push and shed water for my birth, that that too is what the church is called to do for human beings. That we too are called to stretch and groan and push and shed water for 
people who don't yet know the love of God. That it is about being born from above. And when we become a church that thinks we can just get an epidural and get out of the pain of birthing people into the kingdom, we have forgotten our call. Amen. Because I am telling you, friends, it is going to be full-on natural push. It's going to be full-on natural shed water, cry, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, pray, lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and see them recover. This is not a lazy faith. Amen. This is a real, living, breathing body that grows and stretches and pushes and groans and sheds water for the new birth. And when I think that Nicodemus didn't get it because he was a man, like Scott was there for all four of our children, and I praise God for that. My dad was smoking a cigarette in the waiting room because it was back there in the 60s. He was back with Nicodemus. He was. <laughs> and, and I want to say that we have this call that in the days when only the voice of God in the evangelical church came through men, we were missing women's stories of infertility, of miscarriage, of abortion, of stillbirth, of having babies, we miss the stories of part of the incarnation of God to tell the story of God. Do you guys realize that? I hope you don't fall asleep on this because I want you to know that we are held in this time in history to bring forth the reality of God in the pain and the vulnerability of what Jesus chose to describe as how it was to be born from above. It's not a sinner's prayer and a walk through the woods. It is growing and stretching and pushing and groaning and shedding water and even blood for the birth of other human beings. And my friends, we are up to it. Oh, we are, we are. We have been preaching incarnationally, incarnational, incarnational theology long before there was another female pastor in this region. Right, Scott? And where people were like, look at what those Jezebels are doing over there. Just in case you don't know our history. Intentional intimacy. There are intimate stories told because God, told because God doesn't want us to be thinking that this is a clean thing. It is hard work. It is hard work. It is. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to see people come to the kingdom of God. Yes. It's wonderful to see people awaken to God's love that they were born from above, hot from the hand of God. Every person in this room, look at the hot from the hand of God person they were. <laughs> and look at who they are now. And then look deeper and see that that little hot from the hand of God is still there. Mm -hmm. Their truest self. And then know that this water and blood and bodies and intimacy that God uses to tell us about the kingdom, right now, we don't just have to make a mental assent and say, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe in Jesus. No, we can actually have an incarnational experience with God if we're willing to go through. 
That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think I think the uh, I think the challenge one of the challenges we have is we have kind of this overarching sense in general. I, I won't say this is all of us all the time because I don't think that's true, but I do think that we have this sense of it's just me and Jesus, right? And if it weren't for other people, this would be awesome, right? Have you ever said that to yourself? Like, I, I've thought that. I probably thought that in the last 24 hours. Man, if it wasn't for other people, this would be a pretty good gig. Um, I know you guys never think like that, but uh, it happens at our house. Anyway, um, and, you know, it's this sense, and I think Jesus is constantly trying to bring us back to this understanding that we are connected, right? And there is this... Like one person from the very beginning. You and your mother were one person. Right, exactly. So um, in in kind of at the other end of Jesus' life here, uh, he's washing the disciples' feet in John 13, and the scripture says that after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he's drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going, who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And then when he had finished washing their feet, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set this as an example so that you should do as I have done for you. So it's near the end of Jesus' life on earth, and he's getting ready to restore all things, and Jesus is trying to give kind of final instructions. So in John 3, he's given Nicodemus this understanding, and then in John 13 here, he once again, and and multiple times over, right, throughout uh, his interaction, not with just the disciples, but with humanity, Uh, There's this constant reminder of our connectedness. I mean, this would be a pretty good gig in some ways if we were on our own, but it would be a horrible gig, right? And there is this connectedness, and what happens to us is I think that we have this sense that, uh, that Jesus is all I need, and Jesus is all you need, and that's not, I mean, I love that song. Let's sing it. Jesus is all. How do you sing that? You guys know the song? That's, but it's, it's, that's our understanding sometimes as we think Jesus is all I need. Do you, do you believe that? I mean, I, I believe that in a romantic sense of Jesus is all I need, but Jesus didn't believe that. Jesus didn't teach that. The scripture doesn't teach that. So if you, if you wind all the way back to the fall and then before the fall, all right, before the fall happens, There's Adam, right, and he's doing life, and there's all kinds of things happening, and God's got Adam naming the animals, and God's creating all these things, and it's God that says it's not good that Adam's alone. It's not Adam that says it wasn't good. It's God that says it's not good that he's alone, and God seems to think 
in his communion just with Adam that Adam needs more than just God. And he creates Eve. Because God isn't all you need. Think about it. You know, Adam's living in a similar environment to us. He needs air. He needs water. He needs to eat. And then there comes this place. Try it. If, if you don't believe this, just hold your breath for a bit. And then maybe you'll get convinced you need some air and water. So we have things besides God we need, right? Some of you... Uh, it's like, I, I, all I need is air, I need water, I need food. Uh, I do need my house. And we think if we just love Jesus, then that's okay. We don't have to share it with anybody else, but God's intent is that we share it with one another all the time. Like some of you this morning, you, you know that God isn't all you need. You needed coffee, Right? This week, we were, Claire and I were, uh, some of you really believe that. Like, you need God and coffee. Uh, what this, you guys know that Claire and I, that's part of our rhythm every day, our prayer time. We drink coffee together. So we're in, uh, we're at this retreat in Canada, leading a bunch of uh, leaders from around Canada, pastors and such. And anyway, it was Monday through Thursday, or no, I'm sorry, Tuesday through Friday. It felt like... Monday through Thursday, but Tuesday through Friday. Anyway, um, we, we get up Tuesday, and normally when we do this thing, we've been taking our coffee pot so we can have our Blossom and Sun Roast coffee that we love. And I told Claire, I said, I said, you know what? They had a coffee pot there. We don't need to take our coffee pot. So we took our coffee. We get there in Keurig, and they don't have the basket. I know that's the first thing you're going to ask me, why don't you use that basket? They didn't have one of those. So we're about a half hour from Starbucks. And our schedule is like 8 in the morning till 9 at night. Um, and the first day, Claire wakes up and she says, man, I just I don't understand why I'm so tired. And we drank the coffee. We're coffee snobs. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, ask them if they're a coffee snob. We are. And we, we drink the coffee. There's none. There's no caffeinated coffee left after we drink the coffee we don't like. We call it truck stop coffee. Anyway, Claire's like, I, I don't know why I'm so tired. I said, well, it's probably the truck stop coffee. If we can get a break, I will drive to Starbucks, and I'll just get a cured basket. Anyway, thinking I would solve that. So I rush out. I get there. And I literally have a window. I have to come right back in, walk into a meeting from Starbucks, try to act like I haven't been doing that, act like I've been praying while I was getting ready for the meeting, right? I come rushing into the room, and uh, when I got to Starbucks, no cure. They don't have K-Cups, so it's like, well, I guess I have to go with Via, right? So I, if, if you don't know, it's just instant coffee, but that's what we do to, like, boost the coffee, get like, give me the hard stuff. So we get some via, I get some via, I come in. Claire doesn't know anything that's going on other than she can sense the turmoil, right? So I get back and we, we do our routine. You don't even know this. This is, this is going to, this is going to excite you. Anyway, the next day we wake up, Claire's like, I am really, I don't know why I'm so tired. Now, Claire's not been feeling well for a while. She's feeling great today, right? Obviously, did you feel her? Anyway, she's like, I don't know why I'm so tired. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of tired too. And uh, so we have our coffee, blah, blah, blah. And we, you know, go do our thing for another full day. 
Get up the next morning, Claire's like, I, I don't know why I'm so tired. We're doing our coffee and stuff. And I look, and the via is decaffeinated, right? And it's like, I don't have any time to go back to Starbucks. But I'm like, I'm not telling her. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. Let's pray. Let's pray for energy. <laughs> the decaffeinated via, I don't even know what I'm selling this story for. Yes, it does. Actually, you need, you cannot only love God. We love other things, right? We love other things. And that's the invitation. Jesus said this. Jesus said, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done with you. We need each other. We do need to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole body, right, our soul. And then we love one another as ourselves. We need each other. We don't do this journey on our own. It's a romantic truth to think that you and God could do this thing by yourself. That's a really romantic but that's kind of like telling your spouse, I love you with all my heart. And it's impossible, right? You can love them fully, but there's other things you love. It wouldn't be fully true. And that's basically what God says to us. You can love God fully, but there's other things in your heart that are important. And God wants us to understand that that other part, at least part of that, should be other people. That we weren't placed here on our own, and we do this in community. I'll just kind of pull this together with this. So there was this beautiful moment this week. There was a pastor that was really having a hard time. She had been asked um, in, in her situation to be moved from one uh, church to another, and she was really struggling with it. And anyway, it was one night she, she uh, got up to share, and it was just it was heartbreaking. She started to share, and you could feel her heart and her longing, and she felt so alone. She said that. She just said, I felt so alone. And um, anyway, after she had said all of that, she just, she just was there, and she began to weep. And we had a microphone kind of set back in the middle of the group, and she began to be surrounded by some other pastors. And Claire stepped out into that and just said, okay, let's just hold our sister. Let's just hold her story. And she said, there's nothing we can do to solve this tonight. There's nothing we can do to change this situation tonight. But we can hold her in the presence of God together. And it was powerful. It was a profound moment. So sometimes I think we think we need to do a lot more than we're invited to do. And sometimes it's just let's be together holding one another in God's presence. Yeah, and, and your desire to follow up on the booklet that we gave out last week to talk about what it is like to be in the presence of love. Mm -hmm. You know, Intimacy, washing feet is about bodies and water and connection and presence and serving and intimacy. There's, that's probably one of the most intimate moments in Scripture is Jesus washing feet. I mean, have you ever had your feet washed? 
don't know if you've ever been a part of a foot washing service. It's intimate. We remember um, Lindsay's story about knowing someone who got their feet washed and, and the person who washed the feet noticed that the feet were broken and, and had uh, possible illness in them. And so through that washing of the feet, they were able to say, hey, we need to get you a doctor appointment, right? There's something really intimate about sharing our bodies with people. And so when you think about God calling us to be the body of Christ, using images of birth and foot washing and baptism, which we'll do on Easter, it's about bodies and connection and intimacy and vulnerability and saying, you know what, we can't do this alone. We need our friends to hold us in moments of prayer. We need one another. We need, we need things like water and oil, like James 5 says. Are you sick? Call the elders, anoint with oil, right? So that means we got to touch each other and put oil on each other, right? These, these images that God gives us to, are to let us know this is not about you and solo Jesus. This is about the body of Christ holding and caring for one another in intimate ways that feel pretty vulnerable, friends. So, on this day, we're going to anoint some people with oil who would like to be anointed with oil. On Easter Sunday, we're going to baptize some people. Some of you, right where you are, you don't want to be anointed with oil, but you want to pray with the person who's sitting next to you. Say, can you just hold my situation right now with me? Can you just, can you just hold my hand while I pray for this situation? This is about the body of Christ being present to the body of Christ in intimate ways that do bring forth new life. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your head for a moment, if you'd like, or grab your pen, and write down a place in your life where you need new life, you need rebirth. You need someone to hold your story or to hold you. Just get that clear in your mind right now. Because we believe God that you are the God who holds us as we hold our friend, as we pray with a friend or as someone anoints us with oil, or if we ask someone to come up and light a candle with us and pray. We believe this kind of vulnerability to ask for prayer from a friend is the way that you bring new life and healing. And Jesus, we really do believe this is following what you told us to do about being born anew and about serving one another through foot washing. We believe that this is an incarnational way to be in the world. And that big word just means to be enfleshed and ensouled by you and to be that living, breathing body presence to another person on your behalf. For widows, for orphans, and for the person sitting next to me. For the poor, for the suffering, and for my neighbor. In 
And so on this day, God, wherever you choose to do the miracles of 40 days of intentional intimacy, connection, we pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in the name of the one who loves us. Jesus. Scott and I will be right here with oil. There may be a few other elders that are able to come up with oil, and so feel that invitation, or just turn next to the person you're with and say, will you hold my hand, or will you go up to the candle wall with me and pray with me?